Hey guys, Andrea here with the Profitable Practice Podcast as always. And what I really wanted to touch on today and really focus in on is what makes you a good business owner versus a not so good business owner. And I don't want to say a bad business owner because no one is bad at it. But what we're going to identify on this call are what is it about you that makes you really good at certain things and certain things come to you so easily whereas other things you're just completely completely avoiding you hate doing them it makes you just go crazy you you would rather you know walk on hot coals than look at for instance data analytics seo things like that and we have to start acknowledging those things because especially if you want to start incorporating other people into your business, whether that be an office manager or a receptionist, whether that be other associates, whether that be a business partner, if you want to open up a business with someone else, you want to be attracting the people that are going to help you grow and not make you fail. And by saying that, I mean, You may or may not know, but you're not good at everything. I'm not good at everything. And this is why it's so important for you to recognize this now so that as you move forward, you know, okay, I'm really not good at the data stuff, but I'm really good at the creation. So I need to find someone who is going to help me manage the numbers while I do what I'm good at. Or I'm really not good at dealing with people because I'm an introvert and I don't like to be, you know, out on the grand stage and, you know, put all that energy out there. So I really want someone who's going to align with me in my business and be that sort of face of the practice and go out and do those seminars and get new patients coming in. So it doesn't even have to be a business partner. When you are looking for associates, you're going to want to find associates that align with your core values and beliefs, but also take advantage of the areas of your abilities that you're not so good at. So you want to start kind of putting a team around yourself. And even if it's something like a virtual assistant, if you've ever thought of that, or I don't know, hiring somebody else to do some sort of work for you. For instance, for me, I hate Facebook ads. I know that they are incredibly profitable and the return on investment is tremendous if you can get your ad running well, but I hate all of the watching, like having to look at it and then make little tweaks here and there and all of those little details are just not up my alley. So I'd rather hire somebody with Upwork, let's say, to do all of that for me But that doesn't mean I have to pay them. However, I know I'm not going to get the work done on my own and I'm not going to do a good job of it. So I'd probably end up wasting just as much money trying to figure it out myself and time as opposed to just hiring someone who I know is much better at it than I am. So this is where we're going to go with today's call. And the first thing we want to talk about are your strengths. And do you even know what your strengths are when it comes to your business? So what I would really strongly um, ask everybody to do is to take down a piece of paper and write down the following things. So what is it that you're good at? Um, what And what that means is, you know, for me, I'm really good at learning tech. I love techie stuff. I could sit behind my computer and play on it literally all day long and not feel drained or despise it. 
So what I'm really good at is that I'm really, really great at communicating what I'm trying to get across. So I'm very clear about my intentions. I'm very transparent. Um, I'm very good at selling uh, patients on a protocol or on a supplement without making it sound salesy, pitchy, or um, sometimes it can sound very aggressive. So I find that I'm very good at sort of the under the radar, nurturing, supporting, and sales. Um, what I'm also not the best at is putting myself out there. And this will all come into full circle as we get into the online test. But I am 100% an introvert with extroverted tendencies, for sure. Um, but as an introvert, I typically like to kind of stay in my own space and I avoid big conferences, big um, mastermind groups where I'm surrounded by extroverts who want their questions answered and want to be up on stage and want the limelight on them. And it's very hard for me to want to stand out in a crowd if it's a small group of people. I don't mind dominating the conversation there at all and being the center of attention and making jokes and stuff like that. But with large groups, it's very daunting to me and quite draining and I feel very much out of my element, which also means I'm not very good at going to networking groups where you almost have to step outside yourself and introduce yourself and, and making those relationships is just not easy for me. What I am really good at though are the people that I do take care of. I build very, very tight relationships and that's I think a big reason why with my clinic I put myself out there 24-7 with my patients because I'm very much a nurturer and I want to make sure that I'm answering your questions as soon as possible. It, typically I can respond within 10-15 minutes sometimes and it's because it's very important for me to get those answers out to you as quickly as possible and that's just part of my nature. So that's the stuff that I know I'm good at and I also know where my weaknesses are. The other thing would be what impresses others about you. So this would be habits that you naturally have and that could be, um, you know, your shirts are perfectly organized and color coded um, and people would just look in your closet and be like, oh my goodness, that is the most beautiful closet I've ever seen. It could be something like that that you don't even think about, like you just naturally do it. For me, the tech side of things, I find that it comes so easy. I'm just like, oh yeah, you just make a lead magnet, it takes me five minutes. You make an image in Canva, that takes me another five minutes. You know, you merge those two things together. I put it onto, excuse me, lead pages. That becomes my opt-in. I link my um, opt-in to Infusionsoft and therefore I can collect the emails. And I can do all of that in probably 20 minutes. And that to me just is so easy. But to other people, it's just like, oh my God, that sounds like so much work. And it takes me two hours to do that. And I don't know how you do it. So it's little things like that. What is it that people say, I don't know how you do that. Or you do that so well. And I find that so incredibly difficult or daunting. So think about that too and write that down. And what is it that you're obsessed about? And by obsession, that also means what are you passionate about? So with regards to passionate, what do you love to do? Do you love reading? And that's your favorite thing. And you could read books on personal growth, you know, all day long and never get sick of it. Do, are you super passionate about a certain modality? 
you know, you could read about herbs all day long and just want to read more and more and more and you just can't get enough of it? Or is there a certain condition that you're really passionate about? So you love fertility because you love the idea of getting women pregnant and then when you get to meet their babies, you know you assisted in that. So think about what your obsessions slash your passions are and what the whole purpose of doing this exercise is is that's going to help you transform your business so that you can support these passions and what you're really good at and focus in on those things as opposed to trying to do what everybody else is doing or what everybody is telling you to do. Just like I've said time and time again, I hate writing. I'm never going to blog. It's not for me. But what I love to do are make videos and edit the videos and then upload the videos. Like that stuff I do like. Um, or even now doing webinars and you know coaching that stuff I really like now because it's it's inspiring it really gets me excited to learn how I can mold people that I'm working with so that they get the successes that they're looking for so little things like that will help guide you in the right direction when it comes to choosing the right business path for you and then the other things are, well, we all have natural gifts and are you owning yours? And again, it's coming down to all those other questions. What is it that just comes naturally to you that other people just get so stumbled on and you could even start doing that work for them? Or, you know, what is it about your clinic that is working really, really well? Maybe you're just natural at getting new patients to book in with you because of, the wording and the, the language that you use or how you talk to them, it makes the patients immediately trust you and they want to book in with you. Little things like that you have to be thinking about and really hone in on those um, skills that you have. So this is coming full circle to the Myers-Briggs test. And this was something that we did um, back in, I think, January or February. And I actually just repeated it again last night. So this is my updated profile. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put the link for this test in the show notes so you can go to the show notes and download the right test because there's a lot on the internet that claim to be as good as this one is. I want you to do the right one. So with regards to um, this test, the Myers-Briggs test is basically a personality test and it's free. The other one that I've done is the Colby test, which is K-O-L-B-E. And I think that's a $75 test, which also does kind of the same thing. But I found this one to be a lot more about personality traits. The Colby test is more about execution style. So are you good with data? Are you good as a starter or a finisher? That sort of thing. Whereas this is a little bit more of an all-encompassing test. And that's why I liked it. And I haven't told you guys about it so much just yet. And I wanted to emphasize it today. So ultimately, what we're looking at is the personality framework and helps you identify why you are the way that you are. So this is again going back to your strengths, what you're really good at, why you find this to be easy and you totally despise that. And that also helps to identify who you need to be um, inviting into your business to help you accomplish the things that you're just not good at. So for me, I am what's known as an ISFJ. As you go through the test, you'll understand what these letters mean, and I'm going to break it down for you as well. But this basically means I am predominantly an introvert, I am a sensor, 
So a sensor, and um, I will go through as well, but a sensor, and because it's such a low number, I actually flip-flop between a sensor and an intuitive. And don't worry about the word so much, because it doesn't mean that I'm a psychic. It's just more how I go through life, like what my lifestyle plan is. I am a feeler and I'm also a judger. And by judger, it doesn't mean I pass judgment on people. It's again, more how I live my life. And I'll go through all this in a second. So as an ISFJ, I am a natural born nurturer. Like I will go above and beyond to make sure that you're taken care of, that all of your needs are met. And for example, Mother Teresa is an ISFJ. I am nowhere near Mother Teresa, nor will I ever be that much of a nurturer, but it does make sense when I think about how much I extend myself to my coaching clients, to my patients, how I will like literally drop everything to make sure that they're feeling okay. So let's go through what all of this means. So as you do the test, and it's about 50 questions, the most important thing when you're doing the test is I don't want you to overthink the questions. I want you to answer it as best and as clearly as you can. And typically the first response you have is the right one. So if you start negotiating with yourself, think of what that first thought that came into your head was and then use that as your response. You can always repeat it. And when I repeated it, I found that um, I answered a little bit differently, so my percentages were a little bit different, but it always came up the same personality type. And whatever personality type you are, it's not a negative. It doesn't mean you're a good person or a bad person or you're good at business or you're bad at business. It's just who you are, and it gives you some insight into um, just more uh, knowledge about yourself. So let's first start with the I or an E. So you're either going to be an introvert or an extrovert. As I've said, I am 100% an introvert. And for me, you always hear that word, but I didn't quite understand what that meant until I went through the test. So introverts are always outranked three to one to an extrovert. And this, the biggest light bulb moment for me is my whole family. So my sister and my mom are total extroverts. And I do not get why they need to be around people, why they talk about people, they know everybody's names, they love, like as soon as they're in a crowd, it's all about mixing and mingling and building those relationships. And for me, going to parties was just like, I, I just don't want to be around those people. I'd rather just stay home in quiet and read or do something on my laptop. So extroverts are always going to outrank introverts. And this also made a lot of sense about high school because all the extroverts would go to parties and they had the big social life and I would just stayed in the hallway and you know I was a total geek back then but I was sort of like why aren't I like them that was always the question that I kind of came into my mind why does my sister have all of these friends and goes to all of these parties and you know even if she's been driving and going to all these different places over the holidays she'll still go out with her friends in the evening and it's because extroverts feed off of the energy from interaction with other people so they need to make those relationships the the issue with that though and it's not an issue is as an introvert because i choose when i go out and who i make relationships with i have very few friends but they're incredibly close and I would do anything for them. So even for my wedding party, and my husband is the exact opposite of me in every single way, which they say opposites attract. 
my husband has, you know, six really close buddies and he wanted all of them to be in the wedding party. And I was like, honey, I don't care if you have 20. Like I'm only including my best friend Robin and my sister. Those are the only two people that really matter to me that I want standing up next to me at our wedding. So he had to narrow it down because he wanted it to be balanced. Um, but I was just sort of like, I don't have a big group of friends. Like, that's just not how I am. So extroverts get charged up by that. And they have a lot of who they would call close friends, potentially. Um, but to an introvert, it seems more like you have a lot of acquaintances. And you know definitely a lot of people, but you don't have a ton of close friends because to an introvert that just doesn't make sense when I have two people that I find like near and dear to my heart are all about they're they're my people um the other thing about introverts is as I said you know the building relationships and the networking and the teamwork isn't really much of a priority for me um which means I have to really put myself out there so if I'm going to a networking event uh, and if I want to meet people and, and build those relationships, I really have to step outside of my comfort zone to do that. I'm much better if I meet smaller groups of people, get to know them, and then I see them again in a larger group. And if they introduce me to people, that's fine. We also, as introverts, have a very hard time accepting praise. And this is something that really resonated with me as well is... I find extroverts, they do need that affirmation. They do need to talk about what they're doing. They need someone to tell them that everything is going to be okay or this is okay or what you're doing is great. And for an introvert, that sounds really phony or forced. Like whenever my mother says, you know, you're so good at what you do and you're so good at running a business and you're so good with your online stuff. I'm just sort of like, whatever, mom, like that doesn't mean anything to me. And it's something that I have to learn to be more accepting of and not look at it as phony. I have to kind of more welcome it and also not be afraid to share some of my successes with people because um, that's also something that I also don't do. So even with, you know, launching the Profitable Practice podcast, you know, I got so many great comments and I was just like, yeah, whatever. Like this is something that I wanted to do. And to some people, you know, there's a lot of students that are just entering the college now that it was really what. Um, was a tipping point for them as to how to um, go about entering the naturopathic school. And so it's, it can be really pivotal, pivotal, excuse me, for some people. And for me, I just look at it as, oh, well, I'm glad that that happened to you, but, you know, I'm, I'm not taking it in as much as I should. So if anybody in this group is an introvert, know that you are not alone and we are incredibly outranked by extroverts. So it's okay. You are not weird or different or strange. And it's also fine for you to have introvert and extroverted tendencies. So as I said, I am a total introvert, but I definitely have extroverted tendencies when I need to. So doing presentations is great, but I am 100% drained after them because it just takes so much of my energy to give to that a scale of a, a group. Um, same with like when I was doing webinars to um, launch the Maximize Your Clinic course, I would just be drained for a day or two because it's just so much energy that I'm putting out there to keep everybody entertained and, and invested in the um, information that I'm giving. Whereas an extrovert, they would just be like, oh my God, bring on the people, bring on the seminars, that sort of thing. So when it comes to business, again, 
there's some positives and negatives to each of these personality types. So an introvert is going to be very limited by, well, I need to do everything. I don't need to be surrounded by a team. I'm going to do everything by myself, which I definitely do, right? I, I've been very open and honest about how much I'm a one-woman show, and it's very hard for me to let other people come in. Not that I'm not good at delegating. I just don't think about that. Whereas an extrovert, they're going to want a big team, and they're going to see this growth of their company with all of these people and, and, you know, bouncing off ideas and they can't wait to have the meetings and that sort of thing. Whereas for me, just does not work for my personality type. So as um, I've mentioned earlier, as, as an introvert, when I do create relationships with people, so with my patients, they go very, very deep. And that's because I do my best to go above and beyond to nurture them and be there for them and answer their questions right away. Whereas an extrovert, you know, if we think about sales, you always think, well, you have to get all the extroverts that you can to go out and make all the commissions possible because they're the ones that are going to be like the lure that draws people in to your business. But the problem is, is extroverts can make superficial relationships and they don't make the, the deep connections where these people are going to follow them no matter where they go. Um, so thinking about that as well is that extroverts are really good at making the first impression and building tons of relationships, but they may not go very deep and they may not have as strong a bond as when an introvert makes a relationship. Introverts are also very detail-oriented, so they can go quite deep into how something works. So with regards to tech, like Infusionsoft, I'm always learning, how can I make this better? What else can I do? What else does this software do for me? Whereas an extrovert, they don't really get caught up in those details. It's just not something that turns their crank, if you will. So they'll say, okay, yeah, I know how to run it, but they're not gonna learn that, how can I do this even better? What am I missing? What, what other pieces of this puzzle should I be learning about? So I think that's also why I find the personality testing so interesting because it helps you understand, okay, this person is a total extrovert. So therefore, this is how they're going to do well. They're going to need a group to support them versus this patient is an introvert. So they're more like me. They're better on like the one-on-ones. They don't want to be surrounded by a big group. It's, it's actually going to drain them instead of um, excite them. So the next two letters that are going to come up is sensor and intuitive. So a sensor, and that's what I am, makes up about 60% of the population. And sensors are very grounded. So they're very much about the here and now. They prefer specific answers to specific questions. They like the details. They want to work with the facts and figures. And so if somebody were to pitch something to them, they would say, well, I want to you know, I won't believe it until I see it. Show me the numbers, show me the conversion, show me why this is, you know, the next big thing that I should invest in. They also love to master things. And this is where an intuitive who's more about big picture, future oriented, you know, possibilities are endless. This is what the intuitives are like. Sensors are, I want to learn one thing and be very, very good at it. So for me, I'm very comfortable with, you know, the online space and, and treating patients and I want to be really well known for what I can do for my patients in the weight loss digestion 
um, hormone world, but I don't want to be, you know, a naturopath that's known for treating everybody. I just want to be really good at what I know. And then in the um, coaching world, I want to be known as the naturopath that helps other naturopaths grow their business and not coming from a place where I've, you know, made millions of dollars with multiple clinics and franchised just from that very humble beginning of getting you started right. And I want to be really good at that. I don't need to be the best at everything on the planet, whereas an intuitive, there is no limit to what they can be good at. So they're big picture thinkers. Um, the other thing that a sensor does is they don't go fleeting from this book to that book to this book. So for me, I will finish a book cover to cover before I start a new book. It really irks me if I haven't finished this one book and I really want to start another one. If I haven't finished the first one, then I got to finish that one and then I'll move on. So for an intuitive though, they're just like, whatever, I'll start seven books and I'll get, you know, a quarter of the way through each of them. And that's totally fine with me. So these um, intuitives also are more of the rebels as well. So they're going to question authority. As you can hear, sensors are a lot more grounded. We're kind of go with the flow, do the regimented thing. Whereas an intuitive, because they are so big thinker type people, they don't want to be confined or they don't want to conform. So you'll find that they'll question authority more. So if on the extreme end of things, this is kind of like the hippie movement or a rebel movement where these people are, they just see so much further beyond what's like literally in front of them. And they, they see that and they rebel against sort of that complacency. And intuitives also want to connect. Like, what are the meanings behind these things? You know, what's the meaning behind disease? What's the meaning behind how the brain works? They really want to understand what's the meaning behind spirituality and how does that play into everything? Sensors need intuitives if they want to grow a business on a global scale, like big scale. Whereas intuitives need sensors if they want to be grounded. So you can see how the letters kind of um, work well together. So that's kind of what the sensor and the intuitive is. From a business perspective, um, because sensors love the details, they love um, to be structured, they love to be, um, again, detailed-oriented, they're very good at keeping everything in the here and now. So not popping that bubble, but keeping that bubble close to the ground as opposed to an intuitive where they're the visionaries. They're saying, okay, in, in 20 years I can see this business being all over the place and everyone's going to know our name and that's all they can think about. But they don't necessarily have the foresight to come back to where are we now and what are the steps we need to take to get to your vision. So that's why they need a sensor. So for hiring, if you know that you're an intuitive, you always want to hire a sensor to um, complete you. If you're a sensor, you want to hire an intuitive so that you'll grow, okay? And for me, as you can see, I'm a 3% intuitive sensor, so I actually flip-flop between the two. So I'm not dominant in any one particular field, so I kind of share um, very similar traits between the two of them, which makes a lot of sense for me because I can see where I can, I definitely have the big vision, but I also am grounded enough where I know the steps I need to take to get there. And I'm not going so big vision where I'm starting to go beyond my capabilities over the next six months, 12 months, you name it. So sensors, um, bring this structure, the stability, the systems to a business. But the biggest thing is, is they will learn all the pieces, but they won't know how to execute them. 
So this is where when you're when you're identifying that you're like, okay, I know how to run I know how to do bookkeeping. I know how to put together a video. I know how to make an email. I just don't know how the big picture looks. This is what intuitives can kind of help you do. And as we get into the feelers and the thinkers, which is next, those people will also help you establish the game plan. So this again is something that you wanna be thinking about as you're connecting with people is who's gonna help me um, put all the pieces together and this is usually where sensors will hire either an intuitive or a thinker to get me to where I want to go help me put those pieces of the puzzle together I know what to do I just don't know how to do it and that's totally me for sure so let's get into the thinkers and the feelers so this is for me I'm a feeler and I definitely have a lot of thinker tendencies for sure so I'm kind of fighting against this but I'm I'm rolling with it. Um, a thinker is very much left brain, so they're very logical. They're all about decision making that are very um, sensical. So they're not right um, side brain like the feelers where they make decisions that involve a lot of emotions. So thinkers are very cool, calm, and collected when everybody else is going crazy. And I feel like that's me but apparently it's not 100% me. Um, and they also make decisions that are very fair. So this would mean, let's say you were to fire somebody. Well, you're gonna fire them based on the, the objectivity that you've seen in their lack of ability to perform the job. Whereas a feeler will have a very hard time firing someone because they'll say, oh, I know that like he just had a baby and he has two other kids at home and what's he going to do for money and you start putting all this emotion in it. So again, when it comes to hiring HR or people like that, you want thinkers, not necessarily feelers, because especially when it comes to dealing with hard business decisions like that, sometimes the emotions can't be involved and you have to make more fair decisions and emotional decisions. So thinkers are also very mathematical, which means that because they're so linear and logical, they don't allow for emotions to creep in sometimes. So these guys can be so about the objective logical stuff that they, they can't take a step back and put some of that emotional flair into how they're doing things. So this is where some of the, um, the weaknesses can come with a thinker. Feelers are the listeners. They're the good listeners. They're really easy to talk to. They will overextend themselves to meet other people's needs. And these are the people that will always say, I make sure everybody else in my life is taken care of. So my kids, my spouse, my friends, my family members, all of them are going to be a-okay before I even start looking at myself and taking care of me. So they're always putting themselves last last and they're always the first ones to apologize and take something back. So they don't like the confrontation. They're more willing to just say, you know what, I'm so sorry. I take that all back or this is the problem and then kind of move forward that way. So in business, a thinker example is like the Tim Ferriss of the the world. So these guys are all about doing things more efficient. So he has the four hour work week. 
the four-hour body. Um, they love to use the numbers and they love to see how can we do this better? How can we do it faster? How can we do more with less? Um, but the problem is with the thinkers, because there's so much about the metrics and the numbers, they don't share their story. And we talk a lot about that with marketing, that you have to be willing to share your personal story so that people can gravitate towards you and connect with you on that level. If you're always going to be linear and this is the science and this is the black and white text, then people really aren't going to engage with you as much unless you have a unique spin on something. So Tim Ferriss is amazing. And I think I read last week that his podcast is like the Oprah of the podcast world. So he's connecting with people for sure. Um, but as a feeler, this is the Oprah's and the Gary Vanderchuk's and the Marie Forleo's of the world that put a lot of emotion and address a lot of the emotional questions or concerns people have and use those emotional stories or how they present their information. Like Gary Vanderchuk swears, you know, every two words and it shocks people and it excites people and the way he delivers his information, you're just riveted by him. You can just literally sit and watch him and listen to him forever because he delivers things with um, such a power that it literally tugs onto your emotional side. And you're like, oh my God, he's he totally gets it. I'm like his biggest fan, right? Um, and so that's the biggest thing that the feeler does is they use a lot of emotion to bring people on a journey with them. And these are the people that want to hug the world and embrace the world and make the world better. So what um, I suggest is you find the personality types, the big people in the industry that follow the same as you. Are they a thinker or a feeler? And there's tons of websites that have this all broken down for you. And follow what they're doing. So Gary Vanderchuk, Marie Forleo, they're all about making videos and answering personal questions and getting that emotional response. So that's the type of people that I should be following. Whereas if you're like a Tim Ferriss, then you want to come up with um, something that Tim Ferriss would do, coming up with an easier way, a faster way, and that should be the way that you promote yourself. And then finally, we have the judgers or the perceivers. And again, judging does not mean that you are a judgmental person. It's just how you live your lifestyle. So a judger and this is the majority of the people that rule the planet, are incredibly organized. These are the task finishers. They um, need a lot more structure and security, so these people aren't going to go on a vacation just because they have nothing to do this weekend. They need to keep things organized, and this is 100% me, and I can see why I scored so high as a judger. Um, I have all of our finances organized. I know exactly how much we've spent on everything every single month. Whenever Scott, and Scott's my husband, he wants to go on vacations at least once or twice a year, and I'm very much like, well, we don't have the money just yet. We shouldn't be spending our money on that you know, we'll go on a small three-day vacation, and that keeps me feeling secure. Same with gambling. Like, I, and we laugh about this all the time, he goes to um, the Flamborough Casino with his mom maybe once a week because his mom loves to go to the slot machines, and the idea of me even putting $5 into that machine and knowing that I'm going to lose it, while definitely the rewards can be fantastic, I'm, I just can't part 
with my money that way. I just, I get so anxious about even the thought of it. And we got into a huge fight on our honeymoon because he just lost like a hundred euros in 10 minutes at one of the blackjack tables. And I was so mad at him that we almost got into a serious fight. It was our last day on the honeymoon. And I was like, I can't believe you just did that. So um, with regards to judgers, I'm 100% a judger. He is 100% a perceiver. So he's very flexible, go with the flow. With his money, he's like, it's okay, I'll make it back some other time. They're very spontaneous. They're good starters, but not very good um, completers. So they can get easily distracted, thrown off course. And these people are seen as messy and organized, a perceiver. And that was the that's another confrontational point for us is my side of the bed has to be spick span neat and tidy and his side of the bed is always covered with clothes he has plates from like two weeks ago sitting on his nightstand when I took his car over because he bought a work truck I spent a good weekend like cleaning it out vacuuming getting it all detailed and I couldn't stand being in the car when he drove it because he called it his construction car, but he only drove it to the construction site, so he wasn't actually driving it for work. And it was a pigsty. He had literally three garbage bags of clothes and old food and all kinds of crap. And it just doesn't bother him. And he does the same thing with his truck. And he's incredibly what I consider messy. But to a perceiver, they are... Um, they're organized, like they know where everything is amongst the chaos. For judges, time is also very critical and I am incredibly, incredibly possessive about my time. If I schedule a patient in for 30 minutes, I don't care when they show up, I'm ending at that 30 minute time point because I like to know where my time is and I don't like to give it up very easily. And we also know that we have to get things done, right? So I know I have a limited amount of time in the day and I have a, a certain number of things that I need to do. And if I don't get it done, I get very frustrated. So in a business perspective, it's the judges that are usually the high stress, anxious people because they're always working on an internal timeline because they're almost too structured. I don't think I'm that bad, but I definitely get upset when people waste my time or when people start to monopolize my time. When I have, you know, I'm seeing this person from 3 to 3.30 and if they start even going over that 3.30, I feel myself starting to get anxious because I'm like, oh my God, like we're going over the time and I could have been using that time to do this that I need to get done and it makes me very upset versus a perceiver is very go with the flow. They're like, okay, well, if we're going 10 minutes late, then everybody else will be 10 minutes late and I'll be fine. And they just don't let it get under their skin. And for me, it's very, very scary. Um, the perceivers are really great at starting, but awful at finishing. So a perceiver really needs to hire a J partner to get projects finished. And if you are a perceiver and you're finding you're not able to complete your bridges, this is why. So you, you need to align yourself with someone who's going to lay out the plan and keep you motivated and keep you going to get things done um, because you're not gonna be able to do it yourself. That's just kind of how it is. Versus a judger, we're all about getting things done. So I think I've been able to accomplish what I've been able to accomplish in the past nine months because I have the judger personality trait where I am just, you know, this is what I got to do. I have this much time to do it. I'm going to get it done. So um, that is kind of what the whole personality typing thing is all about. 
Um, and it's really, really cool. For me, it was like the coolest thing ever and to hear it being broken down really helped me be like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. So I'm hoping that um, for anybody who's listening on the call now, you go through the test. When I put up the recording, go through the test there and share what your personality trait is. And then hopefully we can start to align ourselves with those people that compliment us. So as I said, my husband, I am an ISFJ. My husband is a ENTP. So he perfectly compliments me on every single one of my personality traits, which I think is why we work so well together. And it's kind of cool. So as I was learning about this, I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, extrovert, totally Scott. I'm the sensor and he's the intuitive. Like he just, he just thinks big term. Like he, he has nothing grounding him to keep him like what I feel like honest and organized and structured and responsible. Like he just doesn't think that way. I am a total feeler. Now for thinker, I think he's a bit of a feeler. So I think he's a little bit more emotionally driven than I am. That's why I feel like I have a bit stronger thinker tendency than I do feeler. Um, but we complement each other that way. And then finally, as I said, he is a total perceiver and I am a total judger. So we work really well together. And what I also encourage you to do is if you have people that you connect with really strongly in your life or your personal, excuse me, your partner or your spouse, have them go through the test too and see if you guys do compliment each other on anything. So if you haven't yet done the test and you want to, it will be in the show notes and on the website maximizedbusiness.ca. I can't wait to hear what your responses are. Please post them either in the comments section on the website or better yet on my Facebook page, The Maxim Movement, which you can just search The Maxim Movement there and post it there. And it'll be really cool to see if it really aligns with, oh my goodness, light bulb moment, this is totally me and why I work the way that I do. Any questions, comments, anything that I can do for you guys, please let me know on the website, maximizebusiness.ca. Contact me there. Book yourself in for the free 30-minute strategy call, and I will see you on the next show. This is Andrea, and I'm out.